them, we will learn how works is training, let's say, knowledge and meaning from complex information. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Hello. So, uh, lest my current company uh, gets upset at me, I work with the Dotches Group now. Uh, X-Plane was absorbed and bought by the Dotches Group, so just in case Jeff Dotches is watching, I work with you. Uh, the, the story I want to tell today begins a long time ago. A long time ago. And imagine, if you will, our ancestors sitting around a fire. And one of them hops up and says, hey, I saw this thing today. It looks kind of delicious. We should try it. And one of the other ones says, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And he starts to describe something different. And they're going back and forth about what it is. And another guy jumps in and says, oh, well, I know what you're talking about. It's, it's this. And pretty soon, all three of them don't know what's going on. And the two are upset Back then, arguments could get a little vicious. So our intrepid caveman says, wait a minute, I have an idea. I could do something here. So he reaches very carefully by the fire, pulls out a piece of charcoal, and he starts to draw. And initially, there's a little bit of confusion, but things start to settle down. These guys go, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I know exactly what that is. And one of them picks up the charcoal himself and goes, you know, we could get it this way. This is the best way to, to, to hunt this creature. And the other one, who's still a little reluctant, starts to join in as well. And he goes, okay, well, great. And once we got it, this is what we're going to do with it. Well, what they'd invented or discovered, I should say, or uncovered, was something called the understanding chain. And we use it in our business all the time. KUDAR is the acronym for it. And what it is, is clarification. So the first thing that they did was he clarified. He drew it out so that there was a common point of reference. And then they created understanding around it by all having that common reference. It said, yeah, that's, I agree. That is exactly what we're looking for. That enabled them to make a decision. We should hunt that. We should make a plan to hunt that. And then that leads to action. So then they actually took the action and said, yeah, let's go get this. We're going to get it. We got it. And the result is everybody is fed and it's a nice feast. It was the dawn of visual thinking, or at least I like to think so. If you fast forward then to the present, this is still relevant. It still applies. The only difference is that the complexity of our problems and the goals look a little different. They're based much more in business. And we're still having problems with clarity for some reason, which comes as a little surprise when you consider that our principal tool for business communication is PowerPoint. Doesn't always work exactly the way you want it to. But we can't blame our problems on technology. We shouldn't be doing that. What we should be doing is taking a look at what Louisa touched on earlier today is the increasing difference in our worlds, in the difference between a designer's world and a client's world. And that's what I'm going to spend, I think, the remainder of my time kind of talking about and addressing with you. 
So if you look at our UX designer's world, it's filled with new tasks and new things. And her team is growing. She's got so much to do. And a lot of different hats to wear. Oh my goodness. There's so many different disciplines that come into play as well. That can be pretty overwhelming. And on top of that, she's keeping track of new technology. Always. There's always something happening. And we've, our worlds have just grown completely different and apart. Because our client, they're not, they have their own world too. And they, their problems are growing exponentially as well. They've got all sorts of issues around the financial side. Their tasks are increasing. They have new channels and new markets that they have to be aware of. And the pressure is increasing for them. They have to wear new, play, you know, wear new hats, bear new burdens, carry things around. And it's all driven by bottom line, ROI, growth. What's the return that we're going to get on this? So these two have got such a different world that when they come together at the table, the two of them might speak the same language, but mean entirely different things. And that is where the understanding gap really broadens. And if that, I, I, won't, I won't go too far into this. So, but the problem is, it gets worse. And we've all been there. We know this. I need an app. Because the business relationship is not equal. The client has all the money, and you're fighting for it. And they're putting demands on you. All of those pressures that we were talking about are transferred over to you. It's your problem to help them solve. Keep it on brand. We've seen all of this stuff. And it drives us crazy. Absolutely nuts. But invariably we say, oh, okay, I guess I'll do that. But really we're thinking, oh, this sucks. Like here we, here we go again. Into the same perpetual cycle of frustration. Getting projects heaved over onto me. How am I going to address this? I, you know, these guys aren't clear. And on the other side, this person's like, I don't care. I, I don't have any time. Let's just make all this stuff happen. Let's just get it done. So the understanding gap is now got all of this pressure and emotion in it, as well as this idea of we don't know what's going on. So where does that leave us? What do we, what do, we do? Well, our old friend, the understanding chain, is still around. And what we need to do and what I posit to you is to use that understanding chain as an opportunity to begin to build and bridge the gap. So that we can actually work with our clients in a way that's really effective and efficient. Because our, our success doesn't depend on our ability to create an amazing experience. We can do that, right? All of us, we're, we're talented people. We can make these things happen. Our success depends on our ability to get the things we need to make that experience happen. We have to work with our client. So my first observation that I want to share with you is this. You have the power to set yourself up for success. I want to share with you how we do it. Before an SOW goes out, before a proposal is written, or... Hopefully, before the brief gets shot at you and the universal 
I'm not responsible statement of, oh, it's all in the brief. We're too busy. We got stuff to do. We can't help you. Before that happens, the team hits the whiteboard. What's our understanding of the project? You don't even have to know at all. And if you can do it with the client, it's even better. Bring them together to be able to say, what are we doing? What are we mapping out today? You can do it on anything that's available. It doesn't have to be sexy. It's as simple, it can be as simple, this drawing can be as simple as identifying the key stakeholders, identifying what deliverables you at least think you're going to have, checkmarking some uh, schedule, and then maybe highlighting some other information that's really pertinent to it. Just even writing it down. It doesn't have to all be a drawing. What this does, it starts clarifying. And what, what, I, what, what, what really dawned on me, and this, is a, 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 this has happened many times, is pictures make it easier to ask tough questions. Right? If I'm sta- sitting in a meeting across from my client, and I say, you know, we want to do this work for you, but uh, you don't seem to have a clear strategy. What do you really want us to do anyway? What, are, do you guys do, you, do, you do anything around here? Because I'm not getting it. Nope. I'm sorry. Oh, this, is, this? Okay. Technical failure. I'm a guy who uses a pen. Are we in the right place? Okay. Reset, recheck. Um, so, I was just talking about how you're insulting your client with your words. However, if you put a document in front of them, if you put this kind of picture in there, you can say, help me fill in these gaps. We're trying to solve this problem. This is our understanding of what's happening. Is, is this the same for you? Do you, do you, you know, can you help us with this? And um, it works. It's remarkable how it works. And one of the things I would, I would suggest you do is consider a poorly written SOW as a cry for help from your client. Don't take it as an insult. Take it as an opportunity to try to help them. So, before this goes out then, after we've created that and created some, some clarity, we actually send out a picture of what we're going to do to the client before they've signed the contract so that they get to see it. And this, this, this has a couple of different benefits. One is, as I said, it lets them see what you're going to do before you sign the contract. It sets expectations incredibly clearly. For a company like mine that works in pictures all the time in order to get the information we need, we let them know that this is, this is, a, this is a viable way of communicating. This, oh. There, we've just got a little bit of lag, I think. Or I'm doing something wrong again. Um, so this is a viable way of communicating. Uh, then we get internal and external alignment. This is one I want to highlight for you as well because we all work in teams now. It's not typically just working alone. So aligning with your client is fantastic about what you're going to do, but then, then internally aligning so that everybody knows what they're supposed to do internally so that you can align your resources is incredibly valuable for people like project management and the people who are watching the budgets. It lets you be more effective and more efficient. Okay, this is moving. So, again, there are these benefits. All right. I just... 
Never, never mind. There, uh, there are things moving over here, and I'm distracted. I'm easily distracted by visual things. So, um, so once we have that, once we have all this information, we may clean it up and send it out, but we may not. We might just send it straight, al- straight along as it was. Okay, here we go. And this is what we get back. This is the proof. This is proof of concept right here. They don't even read the SOW. They mark up our drawing and say, this is what we'd like to do. This is, this is great. This is, you know, we'll have these people attend as well. It's fantastic. It's amazing. And it's kind of miraculous when it happens. What you've done effectively is you've turned a complete pain into an opportunity. And the client is now ready to move to the next stage. You've really clarified. And you've done the really important thing of saying, do we know everything we need to know? And have we identified the things that we need to uncover? Because that's important, as we know, for our next step, for all of us who do discovery in some fashion or another. So when we, when we are armed that way, we then move into the discovery phase. And this is the next lesson, is that you can create clarity and have fun. I never cease to be amazed at how far a client is willing to bend in order to do good work. We're really afraid, the stigma, that if if we're having fun, if we're laughing, there must be something wrong in that conference room and they're not being very productive. Well, the key to making it happen is this, is focus. That if you can create activities that uh, Joanna talked about a little while ago, if you can create activities, if you can pull things together that keep an acute focus on the goals, the client will just think that's magnificent. Fun for the sake of fun is irrelevant, but fun for the sake of their goal, their need, is absolute gold. And part of our alchemy includes giving everyone a pen right away. In a session, we get pens in people's hands. Pens are the great democratizer. CEO is now the same as the, as the project manager or anybody else. They're drawing. They can do it. It's your baton to be able to do good work and share your ideas. And it sets expectations. Some of you may remember this from yesterday. And we'll use that to get them started. We use the visual alphabet to get people rolling, to get them moving, so that they can progress on to something like this, so that they can actually draw their brand identity in icons, in things that you can understand. That slippery fish called brand that's usually just kind of said, oh, you know, keep it on brand. You can start to develop clarity around it. You can start to identify the user experience. You can map out how they're feeling, what they want, what they're doing for any of your target audiences. You can vision the future. You can tell stories about the past. You can look at what you want to do. You can make plans to get there. You can describe the experience. And you can also use more traditional methods, a paste up and affinity mapping, where you're categorizing, sorting, and prioritizing. All of that can happen. All of those activities are really unleashing minds. That's the real magic that's happening, is that you're empowering your client, people, to come together and do this amazing work. And in groups is one of the fabulous ways where it happened. I loved watching it happen yesterday. I see it happen all the time. The gears start to turn in somebody's head. Somebody's ideas start. Somebody's just getting really enthusiastic. Somebody's brain catches fire. And then you play it back. 
the next really important piece of tying all of this together is this opportunity to play back what you've learned. And it's not always what you'd expect it to be. It's not that it's coming back and you're saying, oh, I see your idea. It's that as you try to explain your idea, you're clarifying in your own head and you're doing it internally so that in the end, you end up coming out with what we call emergent ideas. We also do design on the back end. We've done, we do all sorts of different kinds of design solutions. It really just depends on what the media is and what we need to do. But 50% 80% perhaps of our jobs, the, the concept is born with the client. It's born in that room. And we then nurture it and bring it to bear. And it's fantastic. The clients love it. And they've moved. Oh. This is really weird. I think we have a different deck. Um, Both of these things are true, and I'm going to read them both. The one that you can see and the one that you can't. Uh, I'm not a superhero, but my clients make me feel like one. But what we've moved them from is from a client to a believer to a partner. From a client that was skeptical to a believer who's been through this and says, God, this is awesome. This This is really amazing. And then they move to a partner because now they trust you. And they say, you can really do great things for us. They'll say things like, we accomplish more today than in the last two months. People who work right across the hall from each other aren't always together. But we pull them together and they say, oh, wow, I didn't realize you do that. Just having you in the room is valuable for us. We spent a week in Indianapolis, Indiana, just because this guy said, I think it's going to be valuable for you to be in the room with us. And we helped them reshape their strategy to actually save their, their company. Their, they, they were running out of data storage, and they needed to do it fast before there was a crash. We helped them envision that. Then we stayed on for six more months. And then finally, probably the nicest compliment you could ever, ever, ever get is, can you teach us to do this? We find so much benefit in it. Help us. Personally... And I'm, uh, I'm a little over time, so uh, it's a, a deep, satisfying drink from the fire hose creatively. I never thought when I got into this job that I would be doing the most creative work of my life. I thought, oh, man, I'm going to be doing kind of information design. I'm, I'm not sure about this. When you have alignment with your client, when you work with them, when you focus on those areas, you then are empowered to begin to do creative work, not because you're so awesome, but because you and the client are so in line about what the content is that how you deliver it, the creative urge, the creative shell that you choose to put around it is, is secondary. And then finally, as I start to wrap up, is my observation for you all is it's not as hard as it looks. All it takes is a little bit of daring, a little bit of focus. Some research helps as well. These are three great books that you might want to check out. Uh, I can tell you about them more if you want to chat with me at some point. And then you become a partner with your client. You've, you're, you're doing more rewarding work. You're more innovative and doing more effective solutions. You've got greater efficiency, and you've built a long-term relationship with your client. And then in closing, visual thinking is just the beginning. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's not, it's, I'm not up here trying to tell you that this is it. But what I'm saying is that as technical advances are kind of more of the rule of the day, and as uh, leaders in the UX field, as all of you are leaders, you're at the forefront of this work. 
and your unique insight and your unique opportunities are available for you to go like that caveman and grab that charcoal or that stylus and start to reinvent how people interact. And maybe, if we're lucky, you won't just do it for business, but you'll do it for how worlds, cultures, and communities interact. And that's something I would be really proud to be a part of. Thank you very much.